as Rachel said, um, Prophet Chetan is in India right now. And, you know, I know I've talked to him a few times and he's, of course, enjoying the time with in the revival. And, and I'm excited for him to come back and impart for us yes. for a taste of what they're experiencing. Yes. And, I, you know, in, even in the past, I've, every time he's gone to meet Prophet Shaiju, and I remember specifically, there was a time in 2018, it was, it was New Year's, and he went to Montreal, and he came back, and I felt it. I was like, this is a different person. Wow. And that's, that's like, you know, how, about your own husband, when, you, when he comes back, and I'm like, there is something different. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, that's why I'm excited. Because, yes. you know, I... This land needs, needs God. Yes. We know that. So today, I, <clears throat> what I want to talk about is actually something that I've been talking to God about for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. And I've been, like, talking to him and being something that I've been, you know, talking to him about. And it actually started with when, um, when I was first saved, I was in a small church. And that pastor of that church, he had a Bible. And he told me, he's like, the person who shared the gospel with me and gave me this Bible is no longer in the faith. And I remember as a new believer, and I was like, how, how is that possible? How can, you, how can you love Jesus, be there to even share the gospel, but walk out? I, I, was, I couldn't understand as a new believer how that could happen, how someone could be in love with Jesus and then walk away. And then... So a few, few months ago, I was reminded of this because I was actually watching a little clip of Benny Hinn, and he was interviewing, the, there's a book called God's Generals. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. So the God's Generals is a book uh, written by a man. He compiled the lives of people that were men and women of God. He studied their life from beginning to the end, and then he compiled a book called, called God's Generals. And Benny Hinn was interviewing him. And Benny Hinn asked him, of all the people you've studied, what, what's the percentage of failures? Mm -hmm. And the number he told me was like, it shook me. You know what it was? 50%. Wow. 50%. And I'm like, these aren't ordinary people. These are generals in the faith. And I was like, how can 50% fail? Like, that's, that was scary. So this was... Because of this clip, I was just thinking about this. You know, I'm like, why, why? Mm -hmm. So the first verse I want to go to is actually Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, you, so Jesus is telling us, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I've read this many times and I've always thought we're salt of the earth. Mm -hmm. But Jesus said this knowing that not all the salt will remain. Wow. That's scary, right? And he knew it. He knew that in the end, he said, we are the salt, but not everyone will remain with their flavor. Wow. Everyone, some will lose their flavor. And so my prayer is that, Lord, let our fire remain till the end. Right? That's our, our prayer. Let our flavor, let us be salt to the end of our life. 
Let us not be a percentage of 50. Let our fire stay till the end. So that's what I've been asking God. I mean, I've been telling him, I've been asking him, I'm like, God, how do I stay faithful to the end? How do I stay on fire to the end? How do I keep standing to the end? Right? These are actual questions that we have to ask because if Jesus himself said, not all of us will remain, we have to be like, how do I remain? How do I stay till the end? Everyone on Zoom with me? Okay. So those are, those are the questions I've been asking God for the past few weeks, just asking him, like, what do I do? What do I do? So I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 30. And we're going to read verses 8 and 9. So Proverbs 30, 8 and 9. So I'm right now reading from the ESC version. It says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So in this, we read that we can be full and deny God, or we can be hungry and deny God. So our fire can be put out both with comforts and trials. That's what this showed me. You know, both those can quench the fire. So... You know, when I first moved to Oak Park, like almost 10 years ago, I had an apartment in Oak Park. And, you know, Oak Park is very old buildings, like 100 years old. Mm -hmm. So each room had a radiator for the heat. And it was like December, and my parents came for Christmas to visit me. They walked into my room, and they're like, why is your room so cold? And I realized I didn't know that I had to individually turn on every radiator. So I had adjusted like October, November, December without knowing that the heat was off. You know, I just adjusted to the cold. You know, I just put a sweater and I was, I was fine. I was just like, okay, I guess it's a little cold. But the point of that was that I, had, I didn't know that the fire was out, you know, that the heat was out. So that was like, that we can sometimes adjust and keep living, you know, every day, routine, keep living and not realize the fire is out. And that's scary, right? Because yeah. we, we keep going. We're like, I'm fine. Yeah. So, so that's, that's one of the things with, and that, that keep going, the routine of life and without knowing, a term that, that what, is, what it is is actually complacency. Wow. I'm not sure if you guys have heard that term, it's like the routine, the routines of every day, yeah. the comforts of every day can result in complacency. Wow. So I looked up the dictionary definition of this, and you guys would, it's unbelievable, okay? Complacency is self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. Wow. So that's being satisfied just where you are, unaware of what you're missing out on and unaware of the dangers. So if, imagine me in my cold apartment. I was satisfied because I was not aware that there's something more. And I wasn't aware of the dangers either. You know, I was just living in 
that. That was complacency. And, you know, complacency is a scary place to be because we're not aware. Proverbs actually talks about complacency. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32. So I, I enjoy the book of Proverbs a lot. You'll see a lot of my, you know, because it's, it's a lot of wisdom. Like everyday wisdom is in Proverbs. So Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32. So this is the end of 32. It says, the complacency of fools destroys them. That is scary. It's just, it tells us that our complacency, our unawareness of what we're missing out on, our unawareness of our coldness can destroy us. Because it says that, right? Your unawareness of the dangers. You're not aware. You're living just like that. So we know we live in a blessed nation, right? America, Canada, like we're in a blessed nation. We're not lacking in anything. But, you know, when we live in a place where we're so blessed, the risk of it is that we forget the one who has blessed us. Right? And that's what comfort is. That's what the Proverbs, what we first read, when we're full, mm -hmm. we can forget God. Yeah. So, so why is because when our life is comfortable, we don't always need the Holy Spirit. Mm. Let me say it like this. You guys remember when um, the American soldiers left, left Afghanistan, right? And we saw all those videos of, of the Afghanistan people trying to get to the airport. They were, you know, driving their cars, trying to get to the airport and get on a flight back, yeah. get out of, flight, out of the country. Mm. So I thought of it like this. If we were one of those people driving that car, mm. would we ask the Holy Spirit for advice on how to get to the airport? Mm. Yes, right? Mm -hmm. You would be like, Holy Spirit, <laughs> show me the way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you're aware of the physical danger. But tell me, if we are going to the airport right now, how many of us would ask the Holy Spirit for advice on how to get to the airport? Mm. Correct? Yeah. It's, it's something that hits me too. I'm like, that's true. Because I'm not, we're not looking at the spiritual world. We're looking at the physical dangers. Correct? Mm -hmm. Physically, we're comfortable and we're like, there's no danger for me. I can go. Mm. And so that's what complacency is. We're like... We're good. We're safe. We're fine. I can go. Mm. And so when we're, when we're comfortable in how we're living, we actually can forget the spiritual world. Mm. And so we don't have to ask the Holy Spirit about any, any of our details, right? Because we're like, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to use Google Maps. I'll get there either in 45 or 55 minutes. Wow. For us, that would be the only difference. Right. So... You know, you don't have to ask the Holy Spirit everything that you do. But if you do ask him, you'll live more victoriously. Wow. Correct? Yeah. Right? If we involve him in everything, we have a life that we can live victoriously. Wow. So, because God is not against comforts. Yeah. That's for sure. Because he's, he's our father in heaven. It says that every good and perfect gift comes from our father in heaven. So everything that we have is from our Father, but it doesn't mean that we left the comforts distract us, right, right? or take us away from the spiritual aspect. Mm -hmm. So how do we stop being complacent? We have to open up our eyes to the spiritual, yeah. correct? Mm -hmm. So how do we 
the thing is, we have to realize this physical is temporary, right. correct? The spiritual is eternal. Mm -hmm. And the spiritual is actually what governs the physical. Mm -hmm. That's what governs it. It's not the physical over the spiritual. Mm. So why would, I mean, think about it. Why did Jesus give us the Holy Spirit? Mm. Why did he give us a Holy Spirit? If we could have just lived this life and we know we love Jesus and we're gonna we're saved, why did we need the Holy Spirit? Right. Correct? Because Jesus knew that this physical is not just it. There's a spiritual side. Yeah. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one thing that I want to remind us that, you know, we have to open up our eyes to the spiritual. We have to involve the Holy Spirit in our life day to day so that we can live victorious. We can live like this, mediocre. Yeah. But if we want to live on the higher level, that's when we involve the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, even about this, like asking uh, the Holy Spirit every single little thing, mm -hmm. I remember when I heard actually from a church platform, someone said, why do you have to ask the Holy Spirit everything? Like, I'm sure he's fine with it. Whoa. Yeah, we can think like that, right? Because that's when people think like, yeah, it doesn't matter what you wear. You can wear the red shirt or the white shirt. Like, it, you think it doesn't matter. But imagine if you go out and then someone sees the red shirt and that's the day for something, right? Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Like, you could think a hot dog or a hamburger doesn't really matter. But what if it matters in the end? Yeah. Right? right? So that's when we have to realize all of every single thing does matter. Mm -hmm. We can't be, like, foolish anymore and be sit back and relax. Mm -hmm. So that's complacency. The routine day-to-day. -day. The second thing, so I talked about the comforts. The second thing is trials. Mm -hmm. So we know trials come. It's not, and we don't, we know that Jesus has told us that, you know, in this world, you'll have tribulations. But be a good cheer, because I've overcome, right? He said trials will come. So, but what does the enemy do with trials? He wants trials to destroy you, Correct? And so the enemy, sorry, Zoom people, everyone is there. Praise God, okay. So trials, um, there's two things that trials can do. One, disappointment with God. Or two, disappointment with yourself. Okay, that's what the enemy wants to do with your trials. So let's talk about disappointment with God. So I know we've all met people that hate God, right? You've met people that have, are so angry with God. They're so bitter with God because their root, root of it is disappointment with God. They expected something and something didn't turn out how they expected. So they got disappointed. Disappointment led to bitterness and anger, correct? And the fire in them has been quenched because of disappointment. So, in Proverbs again, verse 19, chap chapter 19, sorry, chapter 19, verse 3. So everyone on Zoom, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3. It says, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. And that's what we've... I think we've all seen that, right? Yeah. So it's like their own garden. They don't take care of their garden. Yeah. Weeds grow. And then they say, God, 
Why are there weeds growing when there should be crop? And they take out their anger. It says their heart rages against God. So the enemy takes their disappointment and shows it as the cause is God. Wow. Correct? Yeah. So uh, when I, I actually had someone that I was in my family that I saw that was really disappointment with God. So I read this book called Disappointment with God. <laughs> and I thought, maybe I'll get a solution in this book. This was like 12 years ago. So there was no solution in this book. <laughs> so you don't have to read the book. It was filled with stories about people that were so bitter with God. You know, it was filled with people that went through trials and they're like angry with God and they can't understand why God did this or God didn't do that. It was a book filled with that. And I'm like, this does not help. And, you know, but what I've learned now is what, what disappointment with God is actually, if you think about it, it's simply pride. You know, sometimes we, when people are disappointed with God, we are like, oh, I'm so sorry I'm sorry you feel like that. And, you know, you try to help them with compassion. But actually, it's actually pride. Can you believe that your disappointment with God can be pride that's hidden? Why pride? Because you think you know better than God. Wow. Correct? You think God did a bad job. You think, wait, God could have turned this, but he didn't. This is why he's wrong. So that's hidden pride. So, um, you know, every time I think about disappointment with God, there's a man, I, I'm sure everyone's heard of um, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. So he has a church in Tampa, and he's a man who has, revival has come out of, from his life. So his story is that his 16-year-old little girl died in his arms, okay? Every time I say this, I get sad, because it's hard. The little girl died in his arms with cystic fibrosis. So I know if you would tell me this, this man of God would have prayed, right? He would have prayed for his daughter. He would have prayed for resurrection, but his daughter died. And the thing about this man and his wife is that they told the enemy, the devil, they told the devil, you took our daughter. Because of that, we're going to bring one billion souls to God. Can you imagine that? It's the devil wanted to use that opportunity to quench his fire. Correct? Yeah. That is something that we can't reason out. That we can't say, you know, we can't reason that out when a, an, a, you know, a parent loses a child. You can't. But yet he and his wife decided that this is going to be their ammunition. Wow. And their church they count the number of souls that get saved because they're keeping count till they reach a billion. Can you believe that? A billion? This is not like 10, 20. Like, this is a billion. This is the, the deal he made that day. And imagine if we turn our disappointments into, you know, ammunition against the enemy. Because we know it is not God. We know that God is fair. We know God is good. We know that if our roots are in that, we won't, be, we won't be turned by the enemy. The enemy won't be able to turn our hearts. So in every, like, if any disappointment comes our way, may we know it's not God. God is not the author, right? right? He's not the author. So let our trials, may they be light on our altar, wow. correct? Like any trial that comes your way, tell the enemy, 
Like you can send anything you want. I will come before God, right? I will come before God because you can send anything. May that be like that's when we become on fire, right? That the enemy wants to quench it. But when he sends a trial, you go to the God. You say, no way. You're not going to quench my fire, right? Because we know God is going to can turn every single thing around. Every single thing he can turn around. So that's the next one, trials. So disappointment with God. So next thing, so I actually wanted to give you a verse that was really, it's in Joel 3.10. We know that verse. It says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. You know what this verse says? It says that, you know, with what we have, we will make it into weapons against the enemy. Correct? If the enemy brings trials, whatever we have, we'll turn it into weapons, and we know who the weapons should face. Our weapons will not face God. Our weapons will face the enemy. Correct? Because we are, I am a warrior. Amen. Amen. And then next one is trials that lead to disappointment in ourselves. So that, that one's hard, right? Because we can easily feel like we've missed the mark. I know people on Zoom, you understand, we, we can feel like I didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. It was me. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. You can feel like I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. That's when the trials make you feel like it's you. Mm-hmm. And example is Elijah, Prophet Elijah. And Prophet Elijah's life is like so dear to me. And you know, our firstborn is actually named after Prophet Elijah because that life, his life is so meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. But the way it ended is actually very sad. Yeah. So Prophet Elijah, I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. Mm-hmm. Are you guys learning something good? Because yeah. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so in... Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, it said, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is not enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. This is disappointment with himself. He was in the wilderness, and he came and he sat down, And he said, God, I can't do it anymore. It's enough. And he said, I failed. You know, I'm not good. I'm I'm just no better than my father's. I failed. So disappointment in yourself or it's actually when you look at it, depression. Right? When you're not happy with what you've done. And with depression or disappointment in yourself, you actually don't even need an enemy to quench you. You do it yourself. You know, you quench that assignment that God has given you. And, you know, if you read on in Elijah's story, the angel of the Lord came not just once, twice. He first came, gave the prophet food and drink. He drank, went to sleep again. The angel woke him up again and said, go, go on the journey. And he went, and it says he went and sat in a cave. And And then God asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
that's verse 9. God is asking him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So when we're in disappointment with ourselves, when we're feeling depressed, when we're feeling like, why? Why do I? When we're feeling unqualified. You know, that's the word. When you don't feel like you're, you're enough. God is asking us, why are we sitting here? What are you doing underneath this juniper tree? Or what are you doing in this cave? Get up. So depression actually makes us focus inside, right? Yeah. Me. I did this. I did this. This is all me. And that's exactly what Elijah tells God back. If you read in verse 10, Elijah tells God, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts, God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. But I alone am left. They seek to take my life. So he was saying, God, it's just me. I'm left. Nobody's there with me. Me. So, so depression makes us, you know, just look at ourselves and be like, just me. Nobody's with me. I'm alone in this world. It's just me. No one can understand my pain. That's what Elijah was saying, right? No one can understand my pain. No one can understand the, what I have done. No one can understand my sacrifices, all the pain I've gone through. And, you know, the scary part is, yes, God sent the angel twice. But you don't see God giving like a compassionate hug for him. You know what God did? He accepted the resignation. That's like, that was like, I was like, oh my goodness, God, don't accept it. Like, don't like, you know, you feel like telling him like, get up, you can do this. But God accepted it. And he said, you know, the next verses, he tells him like, okay, now. Um, so in verse 15, he tells him, go anoint Hazael as king of Syria. Go anoint um, Jehu, the king of Israel and go anoint Elisha as a prophet in your place. Wow. It's so depression can kill the assignment that's on your life. Wow. You know, he resigned, he put it down. Mm. And that's 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 very very sad, right? Yeah. So di um disappointment in ourselves or depression can make us forfeit the assignment in our lives. So for Elijah, you have to see that his disappointment in himself or his depression, his perspective was really off, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What he saw was really off because he said, there's no one else with me. I'm the only one, only prophet who's there who hasn't worshipped. I'm the only one. But, you know, in the end, when God tells his plan in verse 15, mm -hmm. God says, anoint um, Hazael, king of Syria, anoint um, Jehu, and anoint Elijah. You know what God says? It says, whoever Hazael doesn't kill, Jehu will kill. Whoever Jehu doesn't kill, Elijah will kill. Wow. And then God tells him, as for the Israelites, there's 7,000 in Israel that did not bow down. Wow. When prophet Elijah, Elijah thought he was alone, he was not seeing clearly, yeah. right? He was not seeing clearly. He thought his depression or his disappointment in himself, he thought there was no way out. Mm -hmm. He was hopeless. He didn't see how any, any of the enemies could be destroyed. 
He didn't see anyone standing, but it was it was wrong. That's what like you know when we're when we're sitting under the juniper tree, when we're sitting in the cave, that's how we feel, and we've all been there. And the enemy tries to push us there multiple times because, for the enemy, the easiest thing is if we all quench our own fire. Right? If we all say, okay, God, I resign. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I can, I just want to be. You know, there's so many times in our life when we're tempted to say that. Right? When when the call seems too hard or when what we've done seems so hard. But how how do we get out of that cave? How do we get out of that juniper tree? Right? That's the question now, right? Now we've learned that what things can quench. We've learned that trials, comforts can quench. But how do we keep burning? Right. How do we find ourselves not in underneath the juniper tree? Mm-hmm. So that's the part I got to. And I was like, God, how? Yeah. So I looked at two lives and one man who star- stayed on fire till the end, King David. Yeah. Okay? So we're going to look at King David and... Understand, how did he stay on fire till the end when Saul didn't? Correct? So both King David or both David and Saul were both anointed to be king. Correct? They both had the same anointing. But they both did not continue in the same path. So the anointing in our life, so we're all anointed for something. Right? Every one of us is anointed for something. So the anointing in our life determines, gets our position. Okay, You're anointed to do this. Mm-hmm. But your character determines if you continue. Wow. Right? It's not just up to God. Then it's up to us. Wow. Did everyone on Zoom hear that? So your anointing, what you're called to do is your, your position. But if you're continuing to keep that position, continue to excel in that position is actually determined by us, wow. our character, what we do with the trials, what we do with the comforts, what we do with the life that God has given us. So from King David's life, we're going to understand how, how he did it. So we know in Romans that God tells us for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. We know that, right? Yes. The gift of God, the calling on your life is there. It's not going to be taken away. But how do we maintain it well, that position, right? Yeah. How do we do it? Okay, so one, okay? Mm-hmm. He stayed under his covering or under his prophet. Mm-hmm. That was what was different about David. Mm-hmm. He stayed. So God had sent prophet Samuel as a prophet for Israel. Prophet Samuel had anointed King Saul to be king. And he'd anointed David also. If you look at the word of God, you can see Samuel, prophet Samuel, came and corrected Saul Mm -hmm. multiple times. But Saul never took the correction. Mm -hmm. He never took the correction of the one that God had sent for him. You know, the word of God says that when God, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son for us. That's an expression of his love. In the same way, an expression of his love for us is when God sends people into your life. 
you know, people to help you stay on fire till the end. Those are your sent ones. So, you know, I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18. Some people on Zoom, are you guys there? 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18. So it says that, so David fled and escaped and came to Samuel in Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naioth. So you see David, he was in distress. What did he do? He went to the prophet. And he said he went to Samuel and he told Samuel, this is what's going on. This is what's going on in my life. And then it says, and he and Samuel went and dwelt in Nayoth. So it's like his covering, he used his covering. You know, God has sent prophet Samuel to Saul too. The same prophet was available for King Saul. Why didn't he not use the prophet that God had sent him? Why not, right? So, so David, he was wise and he knew, I have a prophet to go to. God has sent me somebody to protect me, to keep me on fire, and I will go. And I, you know, I know you guys have heard of us talk about Prophet uh, Tinny and Prophet Shaiju Matthew, and you're like, we talk about them a lot. You, you might have heard that. The reason why is that we have understood. We have understood they're the ones that were sent for us. We have understood that we stay on fire when we're under their covering. Like, we've understood that because we've experienced that we can go cold. You know, every one of us can go cold. And we actually remember, it was actually... Our toughest year was 2018. We will never forget that year. So to, um, 2017, the September was when our oldest was born. And that 2018 was a stretch for us. We were physically stretched. We were, I was doing my fellowship, so I was working six days a week. We were stretched financially. Our first one was in daycare, so he was started daycare at 10 weeks. So every month he was sick. We were stretched and stretched and stretched, but we were going in routine, you know? You were just going, 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 going. And I remember in July of 2018, we made a trip to Montreal, and we met Prophet Shaiju and Tini, and it felt like it was CPR on us. That's what it felt like. It was revived, you know? And after that, we're like, we are not doing life unless we're in this covering. Because I'm like, I don't need to. <laughs> Why would I have to struggle? I'm not going to be like Saul and struggle when God has sent someone, right? And that's what we have to understand. We're not made, God has not made us just to be like independent and just live and struggle and go through. He has given us people, right? And so, of course, the first part is that we have to recognize. We have to understand who, who God sent for us. And David recognized and David came under and said, you know what? You have the advice that's going to help me succeed. Wow. He recognized that, and he did. Wow. So that's 
so that's one of how one of the reasons that King David, you know, kept his fire. He stayed under his covering or his prophet. The second reason is actually the second way he kept on fire is he dealt with his soul. So last week, um, and for everyone on Zoom, Prophet Chetan was talking about the soul. So our soul is our emotions. It's our personality. It's, and, um, you know, he was talking about the weighing scales, how your soul is here and your spirit is here, and we can determine which, which is more powerful. Your soul is not bad. That's, isn't, you know, it's not like bad because that's your personality. But the biggest thing is that your spirit should govern your soul. Correct? And our soul needs to grow into maturity. And that's one area where we all have to grow. It's a chiseling process, right? We're getting chiseled by God. He's chiseling our soul to in, into maturity. It's all, it's like, I, I compare it to like, you know, when we're bringing up children, they throw tantrum and you're chiseling their personality and be like, this is how you deal with it. The same way God is teaching us, right? He's chiseling our soul and teaching us how to be mature. So about this chiseling process, I actually heard someone say once that, you know, parenting is a lot of distractions. Like, you know, when a kid is having a tantrum or wants this or is angry, you, you say, oh, look, there's a bird. And <laughs> they get distracted and they forget, right? But, and, you know, that can work when they're like one or two. But that's not a solution. You know, that is not a solution because you're not letting them deal with the emotion that they're feeling. They're just getting like, oh, okay, I forgot about the emotion, but I never dealt with the emotion, correct? And, and this reflex can go into adulthood because our emotions, we can feel like angry or sad or depressed or so many of those emotions that we have, and we can actually go the wrong route to deal with it. We can go to TV and be like, let me just get my mind off things. We can go um, shopping. We can go anything people with like alcohol, drugs, mm -hmm. what did that stem from? Right. Dealing with that emotion. They don't know how to escape from that emotion that they're feeling. Yeah. So I, when I remember particularly like when I first got saved, mm -hmm. I got saved and there was one day I was having a really rough day and it was so frustrating. And I, I, it was like a frustrating day and I was walking out of something and I was doing like passport work and stuff. And then I, I felt so frustrated. I'm like, let me just go and buy something nice for myself. And I bought a nice pair of shoes and I felt good. I'm like, oh, this is nice. I feel better. <laughs> the next day I went to a Bible study. Okay. So this is where I was, I was still growing in the Lord. And then someone commented on my shoes and said, that's a nice pair of shoes. And I said, yeah, I had a horrible day yesterday. So I bought myself a pair of shoes and I feel better. <laughs> and then that woman of God there, <laughs> She was nice and straight. We need people that are straight, right? Because we need people to correct us. And I remember she looked at me and she's like, no, that's not how we do things. <laughs> and I'm like, We're, it's not. That's not how we do things. But that's, that's, what, that's what it is, right? We are distracting the emotion that we're feeling and we're replacing it. But we're actually meant to deal with our emotions and grow in maturity. Because we have to learn how to do these emotions or else we'll have 90-year-olds that are still throwing tantrums, correct? We still have that. We literally have that. But how do we grow in that maturity? 
So um, this is, you know, if you read um, the Psalms, David, how much he talked about his soul because he was learning what to do with his emotions. He was learning how to mature his soul. And if you look at it, that's how he was learning what to do. And that's how we have to. So in one of the Psalms, it's actually 62 verse 8. King David says, trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. So David was telling us his secret. His secret was that he was poured out his heart before God. His emotions that he felt, he poured them out before God. He did not re react in reflex. He didn't, re uh, you know, he dealt with his emotions. So when we think about, if we're going to go back and think about Prophet Elijah, imagine those emotions that he was feeling, those were real because he was scared. Mm -hmm. Jezebel sent a messenger and said, I'm going to have, you're going to be killed. So he was scared. Mm -hmm. He felt alone. Mm -hmm. And he felt nobody was there. And he felt alone. Mm -hmm. He was, that was a real emotion. But imagine if at that point, instead of him reflecting and saying, I'm going to give up, what if he had poured out his emotions before God? What if he had poured out his soul before God and said, God, this is what I'm feeling. Help me. Like King David did. Because King David had the same things, right? He had people coming after him to kill him. But he poured out his heart, his soul before God, and he learned how to manage his emotions. So that's, that's one of the biggest lessons we have to learn. We have to learn how to manage the soul that we have. right? We have to learn to grow in maturity that we will, we will be mature Christians, mature children of God, that we don't, ref, you know, reflexes. Right. Our reflex is just, you know, knee-jerk reflex, you say, mm -hmm. because you just react. Right. We don't react, right? Mm -hmm. We respond. Yes. And that's, that's maturity. When you don't react, right. you respond. So that's one of, one of the things that King David did. Mm -hmm. he, he matured in his soul. Wow. Everyone on Zoom with me? And, you know, this is something that we keep learning. Yeah. We keep learning. It, it, we keep learning how to work with our soul. Because we all want to have tantrums. We all want to have, you know, but we learn to grow our soul, mature our soul. So the third point about King David, so, so now we learn that he stayed, he, King David stayed under his covering. He used the prophet that God had given him. He matured his soul. And third, he always inquired of the Lord. You know, that's, that's a line that always comes up in, if you read about David. It says, he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. Isn't that what we were talking about, inquiring of the Holy Spirit? Yes. You know, I want you to go to First uh, Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. So this is actually when, um, when all the women and children were taken captive, okay? All the women, all the women, uh, children are taken captive, yeah. and the people that are left behind, they want to stone David. Yeah. And, you know, I would think if David was in that spot, he would immediately just go, let's go get the women back, right? right? That's what sounds like we would do. But it says in verse 8, 
And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And, and God answered and said, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Do you see David's response? It wasn't a reflex. He responded to the situation. He didn't say, "My the women are gone. I'm in trouble. They're going to kill me if I don't get them back. I'll go after them and get the troop. He said, no, I have to ask God. Imagine God, let's ask God. God, help us to live lives where we inquire of you every moment. Lord Jesus, we pray right now, Holy Spirit, that we will live lives, that we inquire of you, Holy Spirit, every moment, that we will remember that you are there as a helper and a counselor for us. You are the gift given to us, and let us not live our life forgetting you are there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So that's... So King David inquired of the Lord. And so for us, you know, remaining on fire Mm -hmm. involves the Holy Spirit in our life, right? And the Holy Spirit also the word of God, correct? So we cannot inquire of the Lord without the word of God. Once, long time ago, Prophet Chaitan actually said one thing that I've written in my Bible. And he said, you cannot have a relationship with Jesus without a relationship with his word. And I'm like, that's that I wrote it in my Bible because it was it meant so much to me. I'm like, it's true. How can we expect to have a relationship with Jesus without his a relationship with his word? Because he said, I am the bread. I am the this is my word. So in Proverbs. Chapter seven, verses one to three, this is what it says, says my son, keep my words. So Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. says, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eyes. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And that's how close the word of God should be to us. You know, I... Going back to, you know, that year that we, I told you guys about 2018, you know, one of the things that we noticed that is when we were going for a fellowship, that the word of God was not as um, used. You know, I was like, oh, I don't need to carry my Bible anymore because it doesn't need it there. <laughs> so if there's a place where you're going and there's no word of God, <laughs> step away. <laughs> Correct? Yes. And I think, you know, Life you learn by your experiences. And then you can teach these because then you don't want anyone else going through a 2018 like us. So to conclude, to remain on fire, stay under the covering God has given you. Right? He's not left you alone. So we have to remember that. To deal with our soul. Mature our soul. Pour out our soul before God. Because he's the one who can understand all everything that we go through. He can understand it, right? Like no one else, not even your spouse. Nobody can understand like God can understand our soul. And then always inquire of the Lord, right? Don't live this life without the Holy Spirit. He's given to us for our purpose. Everyone on Zoom with me? 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. So to conclude, I just wanted to, you know, there's a great Bible teacher. His name is um, Derek Prince. He passed away. And, you know, he, there was, someone asked him, he, they asked him, like, what would you, what were some last few words that you want to say? Like, if you had to say, conclude, what would you say? And he said, he said that God is faithful. That was his conclusion for everything. He said, God is faithful. And that three words were so, have been so meaningful to me. As I've always held on to that, said, God is faithful, God is faithful. And when I think about it, Jesus' life, the blood on the cross, is a covenant, right? That covenant was deal was with us. And God is always faithful on his side. So my prayer actually has been, God, let me be faithful too. Let me be faithful on my side of the covenant. Can I be found faithful? Correct? That's, That's our part. Give me the grace. It's not about striving either, right? Give me the grace to be faithful. You know, and so that we can hear Jesus tell us, good and faithful servant. Imagine that. That's what we want to hear, right? He says that you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus, give us the grace to be faithful. Thank you, Lord God. Give us the grace to be faithful with our lives till the end. That we know you are faithful and let us keep our part of the covenant, Lord. That we will be faithful to the end. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13. This is a scary verse. I just wanted to read this. It says, so Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the commands of the Lord. You know, King Saul's life is something that, you know, is scary. It says he died because of a breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord. So let's, our prayer today and everyone on Zoom is that we will live lives that we will remain, we will remain salt till the end. Our flavor will not be lost. And we will be light, right? And Jesus said, don't hide your light under a bushel. When do you hide? When you're scared, when you're, when you're unsure, correct? When your soul is not matured and you want to hide. So today, let's pray. Everyone on Zoom, let's pray together that, that we will be found faithful. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give us the grace to be faithful, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give us the grace to be faithful to the end. Give us the grace to be the salt in the earth. That, Lord God, we will be salt. We will never lose our flavor, Lord. And we will be a light. Our lives will be light, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. May we be on fire to the end. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord God. Let our life be on fire till the end, Lord God. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you.